Hi, welcome back to C. Myers Live. My name is Brian McHenry and I'm a principal with C. Myers. And I am Dan Myers. I'm a vice president with C. Myers. And today what we want to focus on is really execution and strategic execution, strategic implementation. And it's an area that's pretty much every place we work with is focused on how can they get better at it. They're constantly looking for ways to, in essence, trying to do everything that they want to, knowing that they have a lot of great ideas and that the challenge is making sure that they're able to get those ideas done. And so, Dan, I know you work with a lot of clients in this particular area. Give an idea for a place that is you know, really highly effective in this area. What, how do they approach it? What's an aspiration that places might look at in terms of their process? For many, many organizations, uh, you know, and, and honestly, regardless of industry, having the ability for the CEO and people on the executive team to answer this question, are you getting the strategic progress that you want? And for them to answer that yes is hugely important. And now how do, how do they get to yes? You know, in some cases it's not easy. In others, you know, depending on the makeup of the organization, it's, it's easier than you would think. And so it's, it's about structure. And so what, what we see as a, as a problem, and then Brian, I'll, I'll get to answer your question here in a second, but as what we see as a problem is that there's, a, there's time set aside for strategic planning, but not the time or the process set aside for strategic implementation. So fast forward to, uh, I'll give you an example of an organization we work with that's highly effective. Here's the way I termed it with them. It says they're highly effective that occasionally stub their toe, but continue to walk towards their completing their, you know, so they're hurt a little bit, but you know, they're gonna keep moving forward. And so really the process is what they wanted to stop right away was how do we stop adding things to our projects that interfere with the strategy, the implementation of the strategy. And so where we landed on with them, and this is an example here is they have strategy session, let's say it's in July of 2021 and they're confirming their existing three or five year strategy. And they're going to look at, all right, what do we need to get done in 2022 and maybe a little bit beyond to keep moving our strategy forward? So they have the two day meeting, the strategy still solid. Maybe they made some tweaks to it and they come up with what in our terminology, some bold steps. Others may think of it as, as big rocks. What are the other things that they want to get done? So two days in July, let's say it's July 7th and 8th, for example, then on July 9th, you immediately, while it's fresh in everybody's head, you pull in the, the people that kind of help you with strategic implementation, your project managers, those types of things, and you review with them the finding that, you know, what happened at strategic planning. Let them ask their questions for clarity. Build out a plan for success for the next year and start doing the groundwork to get a running head start into 2022, which should be you know, that groundwork should be basically 80% of the plans are completed by August and no later than September. And um, that's 80% of the plans. And then you're putting the really October-ish, you're putting the final touches, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on tying everything from a project level that's going to be done for the strategy together and looking at it as one big, you know, portfolio and saying, does this make sense? Where do we need to tweak? When you get that in place, the first year is going to be a little bit rough, but after that, it becomes a habit. 
those places just simply don't add projects. They don't. Everybody is aligned on the strategy, aligned with what's needed to implement the strategy. That, that's really interesting on the don't add projects because that's something, you know, I work with a lot of different places. They feel like their project lists just sort of always are always expanding. Things are being added and they're not necessarily finishing other things off. And so how how are you seeing places, you know, this place or others approach that that particular challenge? So um, one is we set a goal with them. So how do you stop adding projects after a certain date? Hmm. We set that goal and that's considered a, a component of success. Are you getting the strategic progress that you want? So, so we set the goal. Part of doing that is, well, here's, here's an example we find out is that, well, we ask everybody to send in their wish list. And so, you know, there's this wish list thing that, that comes out. And it's always pretty comprehensive. It's big, it's lengthy. And it doesn't, you know, when we look at a wish list, it's usually one statement, but doesn't provide any, any value to what it's going to do with the strategy. So we have people ask this question. If you don't do this project you're suggesting or recommending, will your strategy fail or be materially set back? People don't like being asked that question at first. They just, it's a tough question. I can question. imagine not. Yeah, yes, I can imagine they don't like question. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had some glaring looks given to me too. So, but but it, it, it's a really, really important question because it frames everybody, it gets everybody aligned with what do we need to do to keep the strategy moving? If the, if the answer to the question is, well, no, our strategy is not going to fail, or what do you mean by materiality? You can have the conversation of, of what that might look like. So there's things that people are going to say, we, we really want to do this. We should do this. That's different than need. And if somebody says they need to do it, they got to vet out what does the need look like? Yeah, that, that makes sense. It makes sense to me because I can rationalize anything. I know I can. I could rationalize it. You know, I could rationalize a three-hole punch. Why do I need a three-hole punch? But I can rationalize that it fits my strategy. Uh, it's a lot harder to say my strategy will fail if I don't have the three-hole punch. And so it just elevates that question, I think, in people's minds, and it makes it more challenging when they're going through the justification of how this is going to move them forward. You know, what are things when you also see on the project, project side, whether it's adding projects or completing projects, what are a couple of other things that you see that help people in terms of their frame of mind or their frame of reference as they're approaching their project list? We strongly believe in heat mapping. And the heat, heat mapping um, for maybe, you know, 30, 30 months worth of stuff or, or 30 months worth of quarters. So, you know, like a, um, two and a half years of what's going on, not just with the projects, that, not just with the strategy, but there's some other big things like big software updates. When is the all, for example, the all company meeting or the, or the annual meeting? When are big budget things that are due? And so by heat mapping it, it, and if you're doing it right, it's a facilitated conversation. It, it has it has the right components of the conversation of what resources are going to be needed. And they see it occurring in front of them that, wow, these areas are going to be really be pinched. And when you are heat mapping and, you, you know, make sure you heat map impact to members. OK, because members are part of it because projects sometimes a, a huge mistake we see is that 
Projects are thought about in isolation. Contracts are signed in isolation and not in looking at everything. And so if you're going to sign a contract to implement a new LOS and a new phone system and digital banking all within a six-month period, it not only is it going to have extreme stress on the staff, but think about the members too as well. And so heat mapping uh, member impact. And then so some of the places we use they know that, for example, they're not going to go over 130 points for two consecutive quarters in a row because that's too much for their staff. And, and if it's member facing, if all that is member facing, it's too much for their members. So they're OK doing 150 points for one quarter as long as the bookends are 90, not above 90. So there, those are ways of, of looking at it. And it's the visualization of, oh, my. OK, and then. The other piece too, one thing is a, a, a key thing when you're looking at those big things, don't forget about people's PTO. Yeah, so getting that all on there, using heat mapping, a point system, things like that, that allow people to see it. And then, yeah, life happens, you know? So things you know about, and then the PTO, and then such a great, such a great point that the projects are often thought of from the organization perspective. How do you make sure you're not overdoing it from a member perspective as well? How much change can they accommodate? Because ultimately for a lot of these, what you're hoping is to get good utilization and adoption if it's some sort of technology to make things better for the member and better for the institution and keep moving forward. But if you're gonna ask for too much at once, that just may be you know, a bridge too far. It may, it may really hamper your reputation because places or rather members won't particularly like that and not be able to adapt fast enough to that change. Uh, there's one, one other question I had for you, Dan, I was just thinking about this. You know, things are moving so fast. How do places that you're working with, how are they addressing the speed of change when it comes to their projects and their execution and implementation? Yeah, great yeah. question. I sh probably should have mentioned this at the first. But, uh, so he he here's the thing is, uh, um, the, the conversations are, what's being added to the conversations are not what we can get done in the 12, 18, or 24-month time period. And th that way people are saying, oh, I got two years to get this done, is what can you get done in sprints, six weeks or six months sprints, pushing things faster to implement faster? And, and here's, you know, look, the consumer expectations are changing on a daily basis that they just are and so organizations have to be able to keep up with that and have to turn that into a competitive advantage our fear is and you know particularly my fear is is that when strategies are decided by the time you're implementing your strategy is it going to be archaic and then you just have to do something different so how can you take something that would you know if a vendor is telling you it's going to take six months to get it done ask the vendor how do we need to position ourselves and can you position yourself so we can get it done in four months and not six and move through it faster that way? And, and therefore, you're implementing stuff, you know, in, in kind of like a uh, an assembly line approach. You get something done, move on it. It's working. Boom. Let's what do we do next? What do we do next? What do we do next? I'm not suggesting just only doing one thing at a time. What I'm suggesting is, is think through a way. How do you get stuff done faster? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a huge component of it. And <clears throat> sorry, we said one other thing. Can't help myself. One more question, uh, and then I'll I'll try and stop after that. 
you know, you're saying get things done faster and really complete. What in that case where they're going on those sprints, what's helping places really say we are done and saying this project is complete? Because that's one thing we see sometimes is things sort of go 70 to 90 percent and then they kind of hang out there. So how are places addressing that end of the, the project? When they're, when they're kicking off the, the project, they, they have a conversation and document what success looks like. And so that's in the form of, a, of an objective statement. And so think about this from, from an online banking perspective. If you're going to um, implement a new digital, you know, online mobile banking, uh, think about it this way. Active digital banking users have increased by 50% over, you know, X period of time. Um, and it could be nine months after implementing the new solution, for example. And so that's when they know they're done. It's you have to figure out what does active mean and things like that. But that's what it looks like. And then then it's a really good handoff to the business owner, whoever owns that product now now goes from a project to to day to day. And so having those clear statements of success, not a lot of them, an objective statement, and then a couple bullet points what success looks like helps out. Great. Well, so we've we've covered a lot of a lot of ground, a lot of different things to think about. We started out with a process where the implementation conversation happens closer to the planning, and then it's also going through and making sure everyone's aligned so that by the time the implementation plan is set, the organization has really thought through and, and been very diligent about what they're going to do so that they're not adding things going through at least the next year, unless there's something regulatory or a big surprise, something that comes along the way. They stub their toe to use your example. Yeah. And then from there, also making sure as part of that process, you know, coming in, trying to make sure as you're spending time, using questions as a filter, the question, will the strategy fail if you don't do this project, to help make sure you're focusing and prioritizing the things that are really gonna move your strategy forward. And then therefore you're spending your time, time on the appropriate things and prioritizing the appropriate things. And the sprints, you know, you talked about that, really pushing to try and get things done, not necessarily fast, but being really clear about how much you'll be able to accelerate some things so that you're getting them done and you can move on to the next thing, kind of like an assembly line and doing that while having the big picture on your resources, the heat mapping piece of that. So, so important. Yeah. And, and then asking, asking the question, are you getting the strategic progress that you want? Mm-hmm. Constantly asking that. And don't be surprised if you say no. Because some you're going to run into some you know, people are going to run into problems, but if it's no, how quickly can you get it back on track? Yeah, those things. And 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 what did you do and learn from those things? And so the you know in short, build the competency of executing your strategy, just like you would of any other process at the credit union you want to be good at. This is something that should be foundational in a culture. I think the two things there, I just want to really punctuate those, the ability to say no and just be very upfront and say, what are the lessons learned? But if it didn't work, it didn't work. Call it and let's move. And then the idea that this is a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, approach it as if, what, what's your uh, auto loan process through your digital channel? You would look at that and evaluate that and say, how can we make it better? It's no different than when it comes to your project management process and constantly evaluating. I think that's so important for places to remember. Yeah. So we, again, we appreciate your time today. Uh, please let us know if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Otherwise, uh, have a great day. Thank you. Bye.